Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Charles Mayfield is the owner of Barrow. And in his signature line, it says, The lard works in mysterious ways. Yes, lard. I'm talking specifically about pig lard. And I got connected with Charles in a very interesting way. It's all about who you know in this world. And someone said, you need to have Charles on the podcast. I was like, why would I want to have someone who creates lard from pigs for skincare products on our podcast? Well, he's a hunter. Two, he understands the value of sustainable use of a resource and how that resource can benefit mankind, essentially. So, I reached out to Charles, we became fast friends over Instagram and calls, and then I had him on the podcast, and as you will hear, just had an amazing podcast. So, enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins, and that reason is simple, is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Atlanta, it's, I feel the same way when I go there. Why are you on the road so much? That's a good question. The, the day job is insurance, and so... Uh, Oh, yeah. So I, I've got clients all over. In fact, uh, this week I was in Raleigh, Durham yesterday, um, seeing clients, but I also picked my, so my, I have an oldest son, 27, um, or about to be 27. And, um, he just got a job in Columbia, Missouri. Okay. So we, his car was not suitable to haul a U-Haul, so I drove my truck over. We're actually camped out at my parents' house tonight so he could see them before we finish the second leg of the journey and end up in Columbia, Missouri tomorrow, which is about nine hours. So Outstanding. Yeah, man. Outstanding. And you just are a regional rep for an insurance company? Uh, I'm an agent with a—we're an independent broker. Uh, lo- sort of the little agency that could uh, here out of out okay. of my hometown, but been around for gosh, ninety two years. Uh, wow! 
and uh you know one of the, one of the last true independent agents so we we sort of get to pick and choose and make a lot of fun out of it and all types of insurance yeah pretty much uh, i focus most of my work is in the food service food manufacturing industry just because that's a sort of a passion of mine so um you know so yeah like i do a lot of restaurant work <laughs> i'm working on a couple of slaughterhouses i've been banging on will harris's door down at white oak pastures for like four or five years hoping to he, he's a big one he, he's a he would be a big one he's a big one so you know keep 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 crossing my fingers now now that he's been on joe rogan you know it's just like and story's over man that's right i was actually at white oak the the weekend he got the call um so this this is this will loop all this in for you so adam curry and myself, yep. I met Adam at White Oak Pastures for this beef, okay. beef initiative deal back in November. And okay. Adam and I hit it off pretty well. And so when I had dinner with Adam and Tina in January when I was in Texas, they invited Julian and Mark. I think it's yep. Mark. Julian and Mark. Julian yep. and Mark. So they, they invited you. So I met Julian and Mark at Adam and Tina's house. And course she's the one that uh introduced us and so yeah every, <laughs> everything everything <laughs> evolves out of white oak pastures i guess oh my gosh yeah so how does an insurance agent end up in fredericksburg texas at a dinner and starts peddling pork fat skincare products did i get that right well, uh, yeah, you did. So, <laughs> uh, before you answer that, Charles Mayfield, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Bobby, thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. I, I, I've been on a couple podcasts. This one's got me pretty geeked out. I'm, I'm excited. I love what you guys do. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we've had a chance to talk once before. I, I think I can... I think you can empathize with the thought that I, man, I wish I could go hunting more. Same here. Welcome to the club, brother. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you run an insurance agency during the day. I, well, and I, at night, you moonlight as a lard skincare product savant. It's it's worse than Lord. that actually. Yeah, it's worse than that. So um I was for for uh, out of college I got into the insurance industry, uh more on the on the financial planning personal line side of the house. Did that for about 12 or 13 years and uh transitioned this was in Atlanta, Georgia. Transitioned out of of um that business I had started a, a boutique firm with a with a friend of mine from college and partner and anyway so transitioned out of that this would have been back in goodness gracious 2010 or 11 to get into fitness I had um, I had gotten into the I had got the CrossFit bug back in like 2007 started tinkering around with some nutrition stuff, all, a bunch of things happened sort of simultaneously. Anyway, decided to make a run at uh, running a gym and also my, my ex-wife now, but, uh, my, my fiance at the time, we, we decided to write some paleo cookbooks. We had met a guy named Rob Wolf, got to be pretty good buddies with Rob and his wife, Nikki. And so got out of insurance into gym running a gym and, and, and authoring some cookbooks fast forward to 2015 ish uh decided it was time to start a farm and so moved home i'm from east tennessee originally and so we moved up here started a small regenerative meat producing farm called mayfield pastures and you know that that and you said it's a meat regenerative farm yeah a lot of people when you talk about regenerative ag you, you know it's a big umbrella but sure, sure. but um 
most of the what kind of meat? Uh, beef, pork, chicken. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, I should say beef, pork. Yeah, chicken and turkeys, and we all pastured. Uh, you know, non-GMO. Again, there's a, there's a lot of different definitions of regenerative ag, but we did uh, took a very um, I would say polyface, uh, Allen Savory approach to farming. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. constant movement of the animals, good feed. One bad day. That was that's that's how I like to summarize it. They had one bad day, and so yeah. Fast forward to what do you mean they had one bad day? Well, they you know chickens get to live like chickens, pigs get to live like pigs, cows get to oh, live they like have cows. One d- bad day, and, and then they have one when bad the day. axe comes. That's right. One bad day. We should all be oh, so lucky, okay. you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, uh, 2019 ish roll around. Uh, got into the hemp game a little bit as well as sort of a sort of a um, adjacent to the farming piece, and uh, that was in the summer I discovered the the healing power of the lard, if you will. And so, yeah how how do how do we get to Fredericksburg, Texas? So I've been in the regenerative ag game for a while. Uh, I've been. As a hobby, as a side hustle, it's sort of a side hustle. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's there's parts of me that would have liked to have seen that get bigger, but you know, sure. when it's just you know, there's 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 some other life events that sort of got in the way there, but um, but yeah, I've been in that game for a while. Uh, you know, even even as in our earlier days, I mean, I met Joel Salatin and I uh, ran across uh, organizations like the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund. These were all sort of through the paleo movement, you know, which which Julie and I were a, a big part of er, in its early days just because of our cookbooks. And so uh, I ran into a guy by the name of Texas Slim. This is about a little over a year ago, and he was starting this beef initiative uh, movement. And so uh, I, was, I was introduced to him as maybe to be a resource. And so I've been working with with Slim for about a year, and I guess Slim got to know uh, Adam Curry, uh, the pod father, uh, through some guys in the Bitcoin space. And so long story short, I helped organize and gave a lot of on-the-boots-on-the-ground assistance for uh, the Beef Initiatives Georgia conference this year, which was at White Oak Pastures. It was the third of their get-togethers. They started off Kerrville, Texas, which isn't okay. isn't far from Fredericksburg, I don't believe. And no. then they went to Colorado and then this one at White Oak Pastures. And so I, I had helped I'd introduced Slam to Joel Salatin and Will Harris, a number of people in the regenerative ag space that I've I've been very fortunate enough to to get to know over the last decade. And um yeah, so so Adam had agreed to help Slim whenever he could, and he came to the conference in Georgia to give his value for value talk, and I was down there giving my talk and uh, sort of emceeing the thing uh, to some degree. And, and Adam and I hit it off. Uh, also had the guys. Actually, they'd be a, they'd be a good guest for you too. The Meat Mafia guys, uh, Brett and Harry. Um, Sent them an email. They haven't res- they haven't responded. Oh I, yeah. Well, they're, they're... Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I'll uh, if you'd like to, I can crack the whip a little bit. I you know I send them sure, I send please. them people too, and I'm like, they're, they're I tell you what, yeah. talk about a couple of overachievers. They're unbelievable. Um. Mm. So anyway, so we were we were all down there, and you know Adam and I just hit it off, and and he gave me his number and. I said, well, let me send you send, send you some uh, some creams to you and and the keeper, and so I sent some out and and they loved it and and Tina's Tina's a big big fan and so when I was back in Texas in January, I knew I was going to be out there and I I planned an extra day out there because I really wanted to go. I hadn't met Tina in person, obviously I had the opportunity to meet Adam, and so we we spent the the evening in Kerrville, uh, with some friends of yours, uh, ironically as, yeah. as guests. And so, yeah, that's, 
that's that's how I ended up in Fredericksburg, Texas, in a on a cool January evening, um, flinging insurance in, and 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 slinging lard. So and the pharaoh and the pharaoh, mm-hmm. yeah, man. So explain to somebody who somebody's hearing this pharaoh nonsense. What is pharaoh? So, well, I'll give you two answers. The term pharaohing, uh, which is okay, the the origin of uh, the term pharaohing, yeah, is uh, is. So if you're farrowing pigs, you're getting mama pigs and daddy pigs together, and you're making baby pigs. A, 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 you know, if you have a clutch of eggs, you have a flock of birds. You also have a farrow of piglets or pigs, and it's referred to mm. as farrowing. And so, okay, uh, farrow skincare, farrow uh, the company is the first lard-based uh, skin care company that I'm aware of uh, in the country. And we launched. Is lard is lard restricted to pork? You know, that's a fair question. I'm gonna say yes. Lard, Man. lard. Only reason I say that, so and we can have a fat lesson. So you got lard, and then you got tallow, and actually, and then you've got okay. you got also you also got leaf lard. So. Leaf lard is the pig equivalent to beef tallow. It is the rendered visceral kidney fat of the animal. Only kidney fat. That, that is the tallow is, well, let's, let's park tallow for a second. Leaf lard is rendered visceral, which is kidney fat from a pig. Okay. Lard is rendered back fat or subcutaneous fat from a pig okay okay jump over to tallow this is why i was i was hesitant to answer your question i have heard uh i would i would think that the rendered visceral fat of any ruminant species so elk deer cows sheep goats um and they'll all have i mean you're you're a hunter you know this they've got all varying degrees of visceral fat and subcutaneous fat Certainly visceral. And so <laughs> I have heard that, you know, if you render sheep's fat, like sheep tallow. So I think tallow sort of spans the spectrum. Gotcha. But all of those animals have the, uh, they're not monogastric animals. They're, they're ruminant, you know, <laughs> herbivorous animals. <laughs> and so when you ask, is lard exclusive to the pig? I'm going to say it is because the pig is really the only mammalian. Let me think about this. I think it's the only livestock mammalian species that we eat. Chickens are not mammals. It, that, that's monogastric. Me, huh? That's monogastric. Oh, oh, I was about so, to say. Sorry. I was like, you better I, have a bloody other. You may. You better have another qualifier. I, I had there to, fi- because I had to finish a lot my thought. Of stuff. No, monogastric, yeah. omnivorous, domesticated animal. Gotcha. Right. All the other domestics, again, exclusive. Are of, not monogastric. Are not monogastric om- omnivores. They're not omnivores. They're all herbivores. Like a cow. Like a cow, like a sheep, like a goat. Uh, they're, they're all a, I do a know ruminant. there's a guy in, um, gosh, I don't know where RC is. RC Carter. Uh, uh, Carter Country Meats is a big regenerative guy, and he has started creating a tallow cream. Oh, yeah. And you see a ton of tallow. So, a ton. So, you have the skincare industry, which is this mega, you know. Megalith, right. Megalith billion dollar industry. I w- if, you, if you took all of the tallow based because there's, there's there's some great companies out there uh toots and co's out of uh fairhope alabama there's Blair. forget her. there's there's a there's a number of tallow players in in the market if you took them all and put them in a hat they'd probably half of a half of a half of a percent of the skincare market <laughs> but they're all one i mean we're we're all sort of trying to knock down the cliniques of the world um, <laughs> But tallow, there's a couple reasons why I think tallow dominates right now, dominates the market. One is uh, back; it's visceral fat, right? So you can you can raise a you can raise a 
semi-happy cow. You know, you can run it through a feedlot if you need to. Um, but because it's uh, visceral fat, so the, the biological function of visceral fat is padding. It's to protect the, the, the so vital it's the, organs. It's, all, it's not just kidney fat. It's visceral. It's all the fat that's protecting the, the internal organs. Yes, but 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 by and large, I mean you've got you've got little it's it's and bit, bits of fat that are in there, like a, the, like on a pig you've got call fat, for example. Most mm-hmm. most animals have yep. a, a webbing of fat around their stomach. Uh, again, yep. a, any hunter is going to know this because you see it every time you you field dress an animal. But we 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 do have a, a number of different visceral fats in in internally with us when it comes to. I'm harvesting an animal in a in a in a slaughterhouse setting, and I'm going to save the fat. The only one they typically go after is the kidney fat because it's it's globu it's it's got a membrane that surrounds the whole thing. So it's 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 almost like peeling a tonsil out of the back of your throat. You just grab the visceral fat, hey. and pull it out. Uh, the kidney hey. fat, the kidney fat. So, um, oh yeah, I I if if. For your listeners, if you ever have the opportunity to get your hands on uh, pork haul fat, which is that uh, web-like, spiderweb-looking fat that surrounds the my old butcher that I would take my pigs to on the farm, they they would, I mean, they charge me for it, but they would harvest the call fat and bring it back to me. And, man, you take that webbing and, like, wrap a chicken or something like that up in it and roast it. It's unbelievable. So, so... I can understand why probably tallow is a stronger producer in the skincare realm than lard because, let's be honest, the thought of putting lard on your face. That's what I'm, tr- I'm trying to change. If, if, you, if you had a great-grandmother that you could talk to, she would, she would have no problem putting lard on her face. Um, well, I'm... like straight up lard, right? No, because the stuff you sent me. So you sent me some stuff, and I have yet to use it. I'm going to use it tonight. It's it's not. It's more than lard. It's well, we we use all three fats in our in our. Well, I sent you our total skincare. Yes, there's bundle. some tallow in there. We use a little tallow. There's... We use a little leaf lard. We use. Uh, we have a little honey, and then I think I sent you the scented version. Um, mm-hmm. so we have a scented and an unscented. I tell people we don't have an odorless cream because it's made out of animal fat, but, but you know, m- more importantly, or at least as importantly is that's it. There's, there's no preservatives. There's no chemicals. You know, if you leave that stuff in your car, it's going to melt and you just shake it up and put it in your fridge. But, um, but yeah, we use all three fats in both our face food and skin food, uh, formulations. Uh, in different ratios, I use the tallow predominantly to give it a so you you a creaminess yeah a creamy so tallow at room temperature. See how did I know that? How did I know you're, that? You're the man. Mm-hmm. You're the man. So ta- you know you, you know this. You, you've had a tallow balm before. Tallow at room temperature is very hard. You've got to, it's a balm. You've got to really dig into it. Lard at room Lard. temperature is extremely creamy. Uh, it al- almost liquidy, like you could pour it with a spoon, and then leaf lard, which is again the the poor kind equivalent to tallow. Uh, leaf lard is is rather hard at lean temperature, but not as hard as tallow. And so we use the three of them in different ratios to make a creamier cream. I you know <laughs> I, the the other reason I believe tallow is really leading the way. You you really touched on one. Which is lard, really? You're going to put lard on your face? Um, right. But the other one is that, that beef tallow, again, because it's visceral fat, right? Visceral fat's not, not the storage fat. And the storage fat is where e- even ruminant species, but also especially pigs, that's where they take their environmental exposures, good or bad, and store them. Right? So, um, you, you, oh you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You go to the you go to the grocery store and you, and you buy a you 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 buy a, a an industrial ribeye, okay? Or you go you know you go to your local farmers market and you get a grass finish. So so 
the subcutaneous fat uh, back so that you go buy grass finished uh steak mm-hmm. ribeye the the fat on mm-hmm. that grass finished steak is yellow the mm-hmm. fat on the you know one you bought at the store is white white okay the what 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 that constitutes is the absence of beta carotene so a, a grass finished diet is obviously very rich in carotenoids and beta carotenes and all these various things and when you take a, a cow to the feedlot for the last three months of its life and fatten up the the diet they feed them is devoid of beta carotene so what will happen is that cow will leach beta carotene out of its fat stores right to to supplement itself in the absence of beta carotene that's why the fight mm-hmm. that's why the fat's white mm-hmm. and so subcutaneous thought is is the storage organ of the animal visceral fat is the padding protection so you can you can go buy you know beef tallow from effectively any source and it's going to be it's going to be fairly high quality in terms of its vitamin content this because it's not you're, you're not storing problems or, or solutions in visceral fat so could would it be possible if you were a hunter to generate these kinds of products Robbie, I'm convinced that the skincare industry exists because so few of us actually dig our hands into the visceral and subcutaneous fat of a dead animal. I mean, again, rewind the clock 200 years. Yeah, do you think that traditional cultures were using animal fats, deer fats, wildlife, wild fat i think that traditional cultures were in contact with their skin well first of all traditional cultures did a lot of things you know they were outside quite a bit they were very active uh they had their their skin care environment um had no uh chemically derived um problems or or exposure i mean you know, if you, from an evolutionary standpoint, our skin has evolved over, you know, a very, very long time in the absence of the vast majority of chemicals that our skin comes in contact with now through traditional skincare. But, you know, the entire family was elbow deep in animal viscera <laughs> on a, certainly on a monthly basis, right? I mean, I don't care who hunted it. So somebody hunted it. Somebody brought it home, and then, I mean, the, the, the kids, mama, the aunts, the uncles, everybody's diving into this car. You've got to skin it. You've got you've to break it down, or you've got to put it on the spit and cook it up. And so, yeah, I, I'm, most of us were in direct contact with animal fat on a very, very regular basis uh, <laughs> not that long ago. I'm wondering if, you know, obviously in America, you cannot, there's only one place that I know of, um, or two right now, actually. Um, there's one in Hawaii called Maui Nui Venison, which is uh, a USDA, FDA approved process by which you can get access meat. Yep. Uh, there's another process where you can actually get pig meat out of Texas. But they send live pigs to a slaughter pro- slaughterhouse, essentially, and it gets USDA stamped and approved. Are those wild pigs? Is that like one of those pig wild yeah, pigs? Yeah. Yep, wild yep. pigs. And then, but the you know the biggest markets for wild game consumption in this world are New Zealand it. and the UK. UK they do a lot of deer stalking, and those animals go into the food chain. New Zealand. Pretty much every single piece of elk that you buy in America or the UK comes from New Zealand. I'm wondering why they have not gotten into this lard, tallow, mixture kind of game. Is there just not enough product? Like, I would expect a pig to produce a shit ton, excuse my language, of fat. 
versus an elk. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean... So is it just not worthwhile? Is that why we've never seen elk tallow? I don't know why is we... Is there not enough? For instance, if I decided to go hunt an elk, like I this year I'm going to hunt another cow elk probably. Yep. How much... Here, maybe let's do this. How much fat would I need to take, visceral fat, would I need to have to create what you sent me? Oh, God. Well, let's see. One of these days, I'd love to go hunt elk with you. I've only been once. Um, I, I, can, I can put it in terms of pigs, just because I know. I, I can even put it in terms of deer. Um, never opened up an elk carcass, but uh, the kidney fat alone from a average size, you know, solid, good doe from this part of the world, which we, we have pretty small deer, sure, na- sure. nationally speaking. Um, oh, gosh. I mean, it's it's probably a pound, pound and a half of, of visceral fat. And the, the conversion ratio is generally a cup to a pound. So I sent you combined three ounces of cream. So, yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, yeah. You would get a cup of what? What, do you, what is the process? Talk me through the process. Sure. Uh, rendering fat is, is uh, so the way that I. Why do you need to render fat? Well, you're trying to get rid of all of the uh, biological material that, the viscera, um, in the, in the case of like back fat to make lard, there's all these, it's, um, it's, it's, it's just biologic material. All you want is, um, have you ever made, you know what ghee is? I know what ghee is. I've never made Okay. It. So ghee is, is processing butter, right? It's, it's heating butter and cooking out all the milk solids. Okay, so okay. The people that have uh, lactose intolerance, uh, or you know, d- don't don't respond very well to full fat or full full dairy, can often eat ghee uh, and cook with ghee because they they rendered, if you will, the the milk solids out of there. So it's just pure fat. In the in the case of rendering animal fat, what you're doing is you're 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 heating and liquefying the fat. And leaving behind any all of the biological, again, viscera, you know, when, when you're, if you harvested the, you know, the back fat, maybe you clipped a piece of muscle, but you, you're knifing all this stuff out. So all of that, I typically grind all of my fat just because it renders faster and cleaner. And when it renders, what do you, is it like you're just scooping the surface or are you collecting it somewhere? How is that? What is that? Oh, dude, like? it's it's pretty simple. So I will, I'll take a big pot, uh, you know, mm-hmm. stainless steel pot, and I've got my little grinder over here. So I'll cut the fat up into grindable chunks and feed it to the grinder. I'll pour about a, um, I don't know, probably about a quarter of an inch of water into the bottom of the pot, and 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 low heat, just start to heat it up. And yeah, you just dump all the fat in there. It eventually heats up and starts to render. The water's really there, so you don't you don't burn the bottom of the <laughs> uh, of the of the pot. And, and eventually, most of the water actually evaporates. But yeah, it, you're just slowly but surely bringing all of that fat. You're liquefying the fat. The beauty is the water goes to the bottom, right? Because fat rises to the top. <laughs> and you'll have so I've got a strainer set up with cheesecloth, and I'll just take a ladle in there and ladle the fat out through the cheesecloth, and that's it. And does the fat go through the cheesecloth, and the biologicals stay in the cheesecloth? Correct. And most of the biologicals will stay in the pot. Um, the, the one of the most delicious things you'll ever eat in your life is what's called crackling cornbread. So when you render when you render lard, uh, all of those biologicals and some of the muscle fat, muscle and all that, and it's left over there called pork cracklings. And it looks like sort of ground meat. And you fry those up in a pan. You can keep them. I have pork cracklings. 
in my freezer right now. You fry those up and then you actually mix them in with a cornbread recipe. And, and of course, you got to cook your cornbread with lard. Yeah. Smart about that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, all those cracklings. I mean, when I, when I was in heavy production and had chickens, I mean, I'd have, you know, several five gallon buckets worth of cracklings. Chickens love cracklings. So nothing ever went to waste. Yeah, I heard that um, when you feed chickens protein, they start pumping out eggs like crazy. It's the best way to, uh, so chickens will have what, um, they'll go through a molt. If you've ever owned chickens, you know, they're, they'll shed their feathers. Not all of them at once, but, you know, sort of like a snake sheds its skin. Chickens go through a molt, and typically they will do that in the colder months. And so when a chicken molts, they they invert protein from egg production into feather production. And so I... That's why they don't... Yep. They supposedly, quote-unquote, don't lay That's in right. cold weather, right? That's right. Because usually the molt happens around getting ready. And, and, and baby chicks, they'll molt several times before they get sort of fully grown. Uh, and start laying but yeah i i used to i used to when i had a bunch of layers when i'd gather eggs i would actually take three or four or five of the six dozen that i would gather and i'd crack them out on the on the, in the yard and let the chickens eat them because it's just recycling protein and we I've, I've been able to avoid the molt. I mean, if you kill a deer, you know, take the carcass out there. Just they will, they will pick it. Clean. Yeah, that's what I heard. Just lay the freaking carcass out there, and they will pick it clean, clean as a whistle, and and, and including all the all the guts. I mean, they'll they'll eat all of that too. Pigs will too. Omnivores are fun. Omnivores, I, I pigs are my favorite animal because they're smart. They're an omnivore, and they're 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 curious. You know, they they want to see if you might be a future meal. They're just so gregarious, fun, great for the land. So why did you choose to operate in a regenerative manner versus just like, let's have a couple of pigs and let's just do this? Oh, that's that's a great question. This, and this is really the beauty of Pharaoh. And, and this is why I was excited to talk to you. So my products don't exist without raising a, a healthy animal for a number of reasons. And this is a... This may be another reason why you don't see necessarily the lard in skincare is because monogastric animal, variegated storing their environmental exposure for good or for better or for worse in their fat. Well, most pigs in this country are not raised in a very healthy way. And so you have to raise a, a pig and a cow for that matter. Again, we use tallow. You have to raise them in a way that works to build soil you know, preserve the land, uh, doesn't, doesn't overburden the land. I, uh, Alan said the work of Alan Savory and the holistic land management approach is, is, uh, is a great way of sort of looking at it, but it's basically building dirt. That's if, if you're, if you're, if you're operating with nature as a, as a farmer, if you're operating, uh, as a farmer, and working with nature, you are by default building soil because that's how nature builds soil in a natural environment. You know the the wildebeest on the Serengeti, yeah, the bison in the in Mid Americas. Um, you know the soils that we've been mining in our corn belt for the last hundred some odd years. That is thousands of years of of moving herbivores followed by birds and the predators you know we're, we're the modern day predator right but the predators are the ones that kept these herds bunched together kept them moving and so we we mimic that uh in our farming practices so the the herbivores the cows come through the chickens come after that and then the pigs you know the pigs are kind of like a swiss swiss army knife uh, a lot of people don't like to have pigs out in the pasture because they like to root but man, the yeah, edges yeah. of the pasture where there's trees and obviously tree nuts, if you've got, you know, a nice crop of tree nuts, especially in the fall. Um, but they, they do, they do what cows won't do. You know, they'll turn the soil over, they'll root, uh, they'll get rid of any and all dead, like dead rotty trees. Well, those are full of 
typically full of, you know, worms and pests and, and, and pigsy, everything. And so, so you don't get Pharaoh without raising a healthy, happy, one bad day pig. How, why is that the case then? You would think that a pig that's sitting in a stall, eating whatever it wants, having a happy life would also create visceral fat. Oh, it, it, it definitely creates visceral fat, but I'm after the subcutaneous fat. Too. It would also, you, it, so you're gonna, saying it doesn't it's gonna, create, it's gonna, it, it does. Okay. Here, here, this, this is going to blow your mind. Rob, Robbie, pigs are basically four-legged humans. Okay. Hear me out. Okay. All right. So outside of, uh, outside of us sweating, right? Pigs are so similar to humans that we train our surgeons on. If you're a surgeon okay. in the United States, I would argue world. You're training on pigs because their organs are a spot-on match to us, okay? Okay. Um, if you're a heart surgeon in the United States of America, there's a good chance that you're using pig parts to fix hearts on humans. Interesting. Yes. And so we train our surgeons on them. We, we, ha we use their organs to grow human organs to, you know, because you can't, this whole human cloning thing over here is voodoo. But, mm -hmm. you know, working with animal, other animals, you can. And so here's the beauty of it. Pigs metabolize in, in skincare. You've got vitamin A, E, and D. That's the trifecta of skincare. Well, pigs metabolize all three of those vitamins and store them exactly the same way humans do. Again, okay. mechanistically, they're a human. So I want you to imagine how happy a human would be if you put them in a stall and fed them whatever they wanted, and they never got to go outside, and never got to see the sun, and never got to really play with their friends, we'd be miserable. Pardon my French. Right? Hey, hey. And so, uh, th 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 there's two sides to the coin. There's always two sides to the coin. And the side that everyone wants to talk about is what's the animal bet? Okay? Okay. And, and, and that is very important, Robbie. But the other side of that coin is what's the environment? that that animal is raised in. And I think you and I can both agree. I would rather eat garbage food and be outside hunting and enjoying the sun than filet mignon in a closet. Hey. Right? And, you know, in a so do you see that, is there, is there a yield difference? Or a, I don't even know if this is even a terminology that's used in Farrah, a quality difference? Quality. It's a quality of the fat, the vitamins that are stored, you know, it, again, over here in this. But how do you test that? How do you show that? Like, would there be a, again, I'm just naive here, but the little large jar that you sent me. Yep. If there was one next to it that came from a pig that lived in a stall, why would it, what would be different about him? Well, the jar would not have smart lard on the label. That, so that's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, man, when you're, when you're the first lard game in town, you got to get your trademarks and, you, you know, it's like, you know, U.S. organic, yep. right? I mean, yeah, every, everybody's got their protections in place, uh, certified, That's right. know, certified organic. There, there's, there's stipulations there. So <laughs> the jar would not have, I mean, I tell people all the time, all large people do not go buy conventional crap lard. Is it better than, is conventional crap lard? hypothetically, better than the store-bought cream that doesn't have an expiration date on it, I would stack those up against each other all day. Absolutely. I, I would say preservative-free, excuse me, preservative-free animal fat is, is, is going to be better than, you know, your 65-plus ingredient, water being the first. You know, for your listeners that don't understand, skincare is 75% water, I highly doubt my listeners understand some skincare. So go well, ahead. It's, it's it's pretty simple. If you go to the store, there's a 99.9% .9 chance that if you pull a product off the shelf, it's a cream of any kind. The first ingredient is water. Okay. Well, if you take water and skincare is fat based, but so you have to emulsify that water with with the fat. And I my early like testing out 
this, these recipes, I was, I was doing just that. I was emulsifying fat with water. Problem was, you know, in seven days or 12 days or 15 days, I think, I think 15, maybe two weeks is the longest I could keep a cream from going rancid. Right. Because the water that you emulsify in with that fat is the food for bacteria and mold. Robbie, you, you, you've obviously you're, you're a man about town. You've cooked bacon before, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And what do you do with the drippings? You pour them in a cup or, or an old coffee tin. I've done so many different things with the drippings. Of course I you can't have. even, of course you and have. one of my, and one of my dogs ate an entire pan of drippings. Uh-uh. But, but the point, the point I'm making, mo- most people that have ever cooked understand that, that you can just pour the drippings in an old coffee can and they can sit on your counter for months without going bad. In fact, you know, you go back in there next week and you spoon it out and you use some old bacon drippings to cook your eggs or to brown your chuck roast or, you know, the list goes on and on. The point is, there's no water in that tin of bacon drippings. Hey. By the way, lard does not smell like bacon drippings. Bacon drippings. Dang. I know. I was hoping I was going to no. get some actions tonight. I was going to put some bacon on my face. I was going to tell my wife, baby. I, I smell like bacon just for you, baby. I, I think we should launch a specific product just for you. We'll, we'll call it the Baconator. Mm. And, nice. Uh, yeah. but I like it. I'm sort of forgetting where we were here. So, render. I'm, I was asking about the... Ah. Um, go ahead. Not all large are created equal. So, mm-hmm. oh, back to your listener. So, the skin, you emulsify water with fat. When you do that, you have to put chemicals and preservatives in that compound to keep mold and bacteria from growing. Okay. Tell you a quick funny story. When I first was was about to launch the company, I have a friend of a friend of mine for years was a C-suite cosmetics person. Like she was in the cosmetic skincare industry at the C-suite level. She's big time. And I called her. I was just going to pick her brain. I was like, hey, we're thinking about doing this and this thing. Here's what I'm doing. She's like, awesome. What's the shelf life of your product? And I said, it, it was early. So I said, well, I, I don't exactly know yet, but I know it's going to be at least six months because I've got creams that I've made and they've been sitting on the shelf and I open them up and test them. She's like, if your shelf life is in two years, you don't have a skincare product. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to think about that because we've done the same thing in food, right? You know, all the you go to the grocery store, like ninety nine percent of the stuff in the grocery store is just chock full. It's not it's not food, it's preserved garbage. Skincare is a lot a lot a lot the same way. And here's and you know this, but for your listeners, humans, we're covered with like five to seven pounds of bugs, right? We've got bacteria and viruses and microscopic it's called our microbiome. You know, people think about it being in our stomach. We have all these bugs in our stomach that help with digestion. Dude, they're living in hair follicles. This is one of the like unsettling truths of like just our existence. You can get this stuff all over us. So whatever they're putting in that cream to kill bacteria, the minute you swath it all over your skin, you're napalming your microbiome. And- right? And and this is like the new frontier. The, the, there's a human, there's a global human microbiome project going on. Right, things been going on for a couple of years now. I don't think it's really jumped into the human microbiome. I think it's more the environmental microbiome. But it's the new frontier. We know less about the microbiome than we know about outer space, and so I'm excited that we're actually shining a lens on on these little critters that are literally all over us, and. um there's actually, they're linking a lot of hormonal secretion in the human body now to the gut health of the microbiotic uh, microbiome in your gut. Like you've got little, little creatures, critters down there that are actually helping signal your body to produce certain hormones based on what you eat and how happy they are. And all. I mean, it's just, it's this really complex web. And again... If it's that store-bought two-year shelf life product, it has effectively napalm in it for your skin's microbiome. So 
that's not good. Charles, why why are you in the skincare game and not in the meat game? Well, I wasn't in the meat game for a little while. But you must still be in the meat game. Where does your pharaoh come from then? Well, it's, it's come from all of my animals to this point. Um, the good news is there are a handful. We, we were talking about Will, Will Harris and White Oak Pastures. There's, there's a number of vertically integrated, uh, high-quality meat in this country. Uh, joy- and none of them are actually using the pharaoh. What do you mean? Yet. Using the pharaoh. Is anybody using the visceral fat of, of pigs? Uh, yeah, Will Harris down at White Oak, he makes, he makes a lip balm. Okay. Most of the stuff he's doing with tallow is to sell it as a cooking fat or candy. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, Ravi, at the turn of the century, everything we made was with either tallow or lard. Everything. I used to think, I used to think that, um, Crisco. Um, I used to think that its origin story was actually food, but the the, the origin story with with all these industrial garbage, highly oxidated fat that we have now is actually around candles. So Procter and Gamble figured out uh, Procter one made soap, one made candles, and they figured okay. out there was a, there was a coup, if you will, a price fixing deal for uh, lard and tallow back in the, uh, the late 1800. And so they teamed up with this German scientist and figured out how to make cottonseed oil less toxic for humans. And, um, and so they, instead of making soap and candles with that, they started making, with lard and tallow, they started making it with cottonseed oil. And they, and they went heavy into cottonseed Bought a bunch of cotton mills in Texas. You know, Texas was the king of cotton. Went heavy into cottonseed. Turn of the century, we invent the electric light bulb. And now all of a sudden, we've got all this capital invested in making cottonseed candles. And so it's like, well, what can we do? Well, they, they figure out how to hydrogenate cottonseed oil to make it somewhat shelf-stable. They bleach it white. Because at the time, my cousin, this is funny, my cousin is an antiquer, right? And I love to go see him. He's collect, he collects lard ends. And his house is full of, I mean, 20 gallon, 50 pound, 100 pound, these antique tins that you would go to the store and buy lard. They're all, they're all these law, old lard tins. And so anyway, lard is white. Eh. So they took Crisco and bleached it white to, so that it would look like lard, which was the preeminent cooking fat period at the turn of the century. Totally shelf-stable at room temperature. You know, we didn't have refrigeration at the turn of the century. You had, if you were lucky, you, had, you lived on a creek, and you could ha- you, you'd have like a little creek-cooled larder. But it's, it's amazing seeing these huge probably these huge vats of fat and that's what you do you go get your vat of fat and you bake with it you cook with it you know back back to your earlier question like i'm pretty sure especially you know skincare is driven by females i'm pretty sure most (laughs) women were were elbow deep in lard every week (laughs) of their life (laughs) i think the blood origins listeners have been like robbie what have you been smoking today You've been talking you know, about Lord and Pharaoh and all the good stuff, man. It's like, and, and people are like, well, what's the connection to hunting? Well, it, it's all connected to hunting, man. It's what we used to do. It's tradition. It's heritage. It's a healthy animal tying to the healthy pig from a regenerative agriculture perspective. It's, um, it's just good stuff for the human body, right? Yeah, I mean the 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 real tie is if you farm the way farm to make healthy animal fat. The thing that you do is you restore the local natural systems, the native prairies, the native grasses, the native this, the native that, and all of a sudden the wildlife 
and and is thriving. I mean, you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, deer. deer that, that's the hunting animal of choice around here, and we, we don't really. Oh, we've got a few elk. We've got a few wild pigs, but you know, it's deer. And man, you you go you go to a farm that that farms this way, which they're rare. But you go there, and it, it's you you got to beat the deer off with a stick because they're just mm. and, and, and you know lowland birds and and you know what else comes back the foxes. I mean, it's just it's amazing the wildlife that returns to the land when you take it out of this like monocrop over-industrialized model and, and 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 restore it back to to a more natural ecology. Have you watched that film um Big Little Farm? Yes. Brilliant. It's a brilliant film. Brilliant, brilliant. It's a brilliant film. It's exactly what you're saying. It it they did a they did a it's very it's very Hollywood Hollywoodized which you you would expect for the film but I was thrilled with them they made that a big theme in that movie and and hey, that hey. that really thrilled me um, hey, hey. I mean gosh man I I would love to see third of the grain so a third of the grain or, or more maybe half the grain we grow in this country we grow to feed cows yeah. and it's not even their natural diet right i man if i could close my if i could snap my fingers tomorrow and return the corn belt in america to rolling grasslands and prairie you want to talk about bringing elk and bison deer back in droves um you know return it to the natural i i i know this is pie in the sky stuff because we got interstates now and we got all these things but man i would i would love to see more and more marginal land that's the beauty of also of regenerative farming um it is most of the land we can farm on you wouldn't want to run a plow through too hilly or too rocky or too this or too that right it's a combination of a bunch of things robbie but but the direct tie between um honoring an animal you know i mean you know hunting's no joke and and uh your 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 listeners know that i uh you know part of the problem that that you suffer from is is the same as on my side of the fence is People are just so disconnected from food. There's no honor. There's no reverence to the sacrifice anymore. And, you know, hunters understand that for sure, but your average everyday run of the consumer does not. And yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I I um I would love to see Pharaoh continue to grow. I would love to for it to be very hard for me to get a hold of you know these high quality fats because more people are demanding you know, healthy animals raised the right way. More people are demanding animal fat. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's as human as it gets, man. <laughs> no, I, you know, that's the whole tenant behind why people hunt. They know where the animal was. They know how it lived. They know how it died. They know who processed it. Uh, they often know how old it was. Uh, they know everything about the animal. And that's, part of the health component of why we why we hunt charles mayfield you're the man if people are uh now keen to put pig lard on their faces yeah where can they find you my man <laughs> they can find me at uh at our our website is pharaoh f-a-r-r-o-w dot life pharaoh dot life and um yeah if it isn't for you the 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 male listener it's definitely you it's for you the female listener and if it's not for you the male listener buy it as a happy birthday happy anniversary happy christmas just because happy they'll love it and and, and use uh origins oh you know from blood origins I didn't want to have to make them spell it all out, but if you if you use Origins when you check out, you get a fifteen percent off. 
15 oh, percent off. Oh, look your... at you! Hey, man, we'll put that in the show notes, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Origins fifteen percent off. Fifteen percent off anything. We got a new product. So uh, you're you're in West Tennessee. We got to get. To, we got to find am. a way to get together, man. I'm on the other side of the state. We'll figure it out. But no, it's it's we'll been a real it, honor, Robbie. No, thank you, Charles. Much appreciate you. You as well, sir. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.